Hello, and welcome to the Live, Lead, Succeed podcast, where you'll be inspired to become the best version of yourself, overcome limiting mindsets, and grow into the leader of excellence you were called to be. Here's your leadership and lifestyle coach and guide, Stacy Barlow-Hill. Hello, Succeeders. I am so excited to bring to you my guest and my dear friend, Mr. William Baker. I should have said Pastor William Baker or Minister William Baker. What do you go by these days? Who are you? (laughs) Reverend (laughs) William Baker. There you go. Reverend William Baker. All right. It's hard for me to call him that because, as I said, he is my dear friend. So I don't always use the um, correct title. So forgive me for that. <laughs> well, Will, we're happy to have you today. Why don't you give a little introduction about who you are and what you do? Stacy, I'm honored to be here with you as uh, my friend and sister and as a leader who I highly respect. I am the pastor and theology instructor at Amani Christian Academy. And I am, uh, the, I guess I can say I'm the founder and CEO of William Baker Ministries. And I, um, I just love sharing the word of God and get to get the privilege to wake up each day and teach young people uh, the truth of the Christian faith and to share with Christ followers and everyday people uh, what it means to pursue a healthy and holistic relationship with God through the saving uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am the husband of Denise, father of Uriah, William, uh, Uriah, Noah, and William, and uh, they keep me busy as well. Awesome. Wonderful. So you said quite a few things there. So let's maybe start um, with your role at Amani. Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that. Yes, my role at Amani, I've been at Amani for about two years, and uh, my role has uh, evolved. I came on as a counselor uh, originally because I was also um, a, a pastor at a local church in uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, but have since then transitioned to be full-time at Amani. And my, uh, my title, again, is pastor and theology instructor. I teach all of the theology courses from uh, sixth grade to 12th grade. I teach, uh, the, I run the chapel, and I am developing a rites of passage program for our students from sixth grade to 12th grade so that um, we are uh, putting our stamp of manhood and womanhood on them in Christ before they leave us at Amani. I also get to serve on the leadership team there, uh, along with our head of school and other leaders at the school uh, who, who occupy different capacities. Of leadership, and uh, so it's great to be able to work on it in a team with a team of leaders who are excellent in their field and bring their expertise, so that we can provide a holistic, Christ-centered education to our students. Awesome! Now, I didn't even know about this um, rites of passage. Tell me a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something actually I'm bringing and creating, and have been given the space by our head of school, Paulu and Zombie, to uh, create for our students. It is a program that focuses on uh, three core areas of development. Um, Our mantra at Amani for our students is Christ's character and competence in pursuit of excellence. And so uh, for for the middle school from sixth to eighth grade, 
Sixth grade focuses on Christ, teaching our students the gospel. Seventh grade focuses on character, what it means to be a Christian and to live the Christian life and how that uh, how we should pursue that out in the public domain. And then the last one uh, focuses on competence, which really is um, looking at personal excellence and even personal brand and just letting our students ask, who who am I and uh, what do I need to be and, and, and develop in to be what God wants me to be out in the world? How, how do I how am I competent in my craft and in uh, whatever I pursue that at the end of the day, I bring Christ and excellence to uh, everything that I do and everything that Christ calls me to. And then we repeat that in ninth grade. So ninth grade becomes a, a, a re-emphasis of Christ. Tenth grade, again, we take another look at character, Christian, the Christian life. And then eleventh uh, grade, we look at competence again, uh, being being uh, well-rounded in what we do and, and excellent in what we do. And that ends in 12th grade with a senior seminar uh, that our students go through with our our head of school, which is really like one last look to see have have they have they internalized those those uh, three core areas, Christ, character, and competence. And we can say when we send them off to university or out into the workforce, these are excellent men and women who are going to represent Christ and uh, live the Christian life in all that they do. And uh, it's just exciting. It, it really it allows us to have a hands-on and bring a personal aspect. And uh, we want to kind of celebrate that in 11th grade with kind of a cotillion and a coming out ceremony where the family, the school, and uh, come together to celebrate these students uh, walking into manhood and womanhood. Wow, that just gave me goosebumps. I mm. love that. Oh my goodness, that mm. is so, so important. And what I love about Amani, um, I had the honor of being there last year. You invited me around this time um, mm -hmm. to speak for a career day. And what I absolutely loved um, was that you know, it's a Christian school, but sometimes being in business and being in the world, you can't always talk about God so freely or, you know, you can't do so without, you know, reaction and, and judgment and things like that. And what I loved about being in your school was that you could just talk about God so freely. And it kind of shocked me a few times before it became comfortable because that's just not the norm everywhere you go. So I love that these kids are just being rooted um, in Christ and being um, prepared and letting them know that they don't have to be um, ashamed of their faith. They don't have mm -hmm. to put their faith in their pocket when they're out in the world, um, that they can show up and be truly who they are and be proud of that. That just makes me so excited. It gives me chills. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I absolutely love that. You said this is something that you're um, developing with the school. It is. It is. We're literally uh, writing the curriculum um, as we speak. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's exciting to do and to really ask, you know, the question, what, what's so great about the opportunity to work on this curriculum and just to work out of money, uh, from day to day, um, is that opportunity to truly disciple young people, even more than at times, you know, is accessible in the church, because I literally see these students every single day, right? And I don't have to have my faith. I don't have to, uh, I, I can follow up, you know, I don't have to wait till next week to follow up with, you know, how, how they can continue to grow or, you know, something that we had a conversation about or um, to build upon something that they learn. I'll see them tomorrow. And so it's a, just a, 
it's a very unique and I think uh, after spending nine years in pastoral ministry, rare opportunity to just have a kind of day-to-day hands-on approach. The only other place I get that opportunity is at home with my own children. And um, so it's, it's a really is a unique and uh, special place. One of my colleagues says, Amani is a place where purpose is revealed, refined, and released. And I love when he says it because I, I really believe it is that type of place and growing to be that all the more. Wow, I love that. So, well, maybe tell us a little bit about um, your upbringing and how maybe something like this would have, you know, the role that might have played in your life if you had had something like this at your age with your upbringing. Oh, my upbringing. Yeah, this flows directly out of my personal uh, story and experience. I grew up in the church uh, in a Christian family. Don't really remember a day outside of the church. Uh, That doesn't mean that I didn't have uh, to grow in my faith and knowledge of God and grow in my uh, development in the Christian life. Uh, But I really did that in the context of the believing community. And so I had a powerful youth group of which my mother was one of the uh, adults who was very uh, impactful there and was probably my example growing up for, you know, truly believing in Christ, truly trusting him in the good and in the dark days of life. And so I remember always just being God conscious. I remember feeling like I am different when I go to school, uh, but also really feeling the struggle to uh, live for Christ in, um, you know, an environment in school, uh, in public school that really didn't necessarily honor him, right? And the values that I was learning on youth group on Saturday, on church on Sunday, weren't really being uplifted. In fact, the opposite was. And so, you know, I remember there being a real struggle, right? Uh, Because you don't, you want to join in, you want to be liked and accepted by friends and peers, but you also have this internal pooling from the Holy Spirit to, you know, say, follow me. And my church was really um, a place that encouraged me from week to week to follow him, even when I was out of their presence. I I can even remember this one dear uh saint at the church miss minnie williams i remember i came to church with a bunch of my friends from the community and homestead and we were all in church and we were goofing around in the back and and she came up to me in the middle of service stacy and just whispered in my ear she didn't call me out she embarrassed me she said but god told me to tell you if you don't follow with the crowd he's going to use you he's going to use you for his glory with your in your life and um right that type of those type of saints and that type of encouragement always allowed me to know that, you know, God's got purpose and destiny and calling assigned to me. So I can't just do anything with my life because I'm not my own. I belong to him. And I feel like it's a blessing to be able to do that from day to day in a Christian school with students who have the very same challenges, but to say, hey, Christ is with you. And there are people here, not just on the weekend that kind of remind you that uh, at the church, but every day in the school environment we want to see you and challenge you to be who God's calling you to be from the gate. Uh, not, you know, kind of when you get out into adulthood and realize that God way, God's way actually is the best way after you've made a bunch of mistakes, gone a complete other di- uh, different direction and have had to get jacked up a bit. Uh, but we want to encourage you to walk like that uh, so that you can use as much as your life as possible for his purpose and for his glory and for your growth. 
Now, do you now we'll um, maybe touch on your um, your role as a pastor here in a moment, but Mm -hmm. from being a pastor and leading youth in church and probably having these same type of discussions with them, do you notice a difference of um, leading youth that are part in the world and part in church um, versus the children that are immersed, um, you know, in this on a daily basis and, um, you know, having this in their, their regular schooling and upbringing. Um, do you notice, you know, a difference in that and, and how the kids react to that? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I know, notice a great difference in, again, because I've, I've not been at Amani. I've only been there for about uh, a year and a half going on two years. And so, and my role has shifted. I, I, I see the potential of the opportunity in the long run when uh, the initiatives that we have begun are have really taken course. Uh, and the, another reason that's interesting is that uh, many, while Amani is a Christian school, many of our students are unchurched and don't necessarily come from, you know, week to week Christian environment. So, I did a poll in one of my classes this um, this this year, and we're online education right now. And some of the students I'm meeting are brand new because they've shifted uh, to Amani in this in this uh, pandemic environment. And I asked the students, Stacy, you know, where did you first hear about Jesus? And some said, oh, going to church with my grandmother when I was little. I think this was my eighth grade class. Others said, you know, oh, when I first came to Amani when I was in fifth grade, I mean, in, 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 uh, when I was five years old in kindergarten. And then a couple students raised their hand and said, well, this is my first time hearing about them right now. And so that's actually a little different than the kids I see at church who have been mm-hmm. raised in the church. I know their parents. Mm-hmm. They're very comfortable with me. Um, and, and then this environment at Amani where we're having students uh, a, a considerable number of students who their first time hearing about the faith is at Amani. It's a really unique mm-hmm. opportunity. So it'll be great to see what that looks like um, when they're starting off in kindergarten or starting off in sixth grade and who they are when they when they uh, graduate in 12th grade. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. Okay. Well, you mentioned um, Mother Minnie Williams um, <laughs> speaking into your life yes. at a young age. About how old were you then? And um, how did you receive that at that time? I was about 14 or 15 and it was uncomfortable, right? I was there with uh, (laughs) guys and girls from the community. And I I just again, I wanted to be accepted. I want to be seen as cool. And then I had one of the mothers of the church, you know, telling me I was I was different and called for the Lord. Uh, But I did receive it right. It It bore witness in my spirit. Like she was reminding me of who I was. Um. Yeah, I, I know. I know the story of a king who his followers killed him in hopes of corrupting his son and making him the king that they would be able to, you know, they would actually be able to run and rule and he would rule the kingdom for them. And they tried to corrupt him with all types of wicked things. And the young man would not follow these these guys who murdered his father. And they said, wow, you know, we've, we've exposed you to this. We've exposed you to that. And you haven't done any. Of it. He said, I could not do any of it because my father uh, raised me knowing that I must become the king. And I, I, I want to say that is kind of what it was for me. Uh, saints like that, Miss Minnie, um, 
uh, one of my, my youth group leader, a man by the name of Gil Duncan, they always reminded me I had purpose. And it was like, no matter how tempted you are, no matter how far, many mistakes even you make, you've got another purpose assigned to you than what the world is offering you. So don't forget that there's a king inside of you. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, th I think that's how that impacted me. I think it helped lead me ultimately uh, to pastoral ministry to make the decision that that is really what God was calling me to do in my life. And then I think it puts that that desire in my heart to be able to be that person for young people who God has uh, purpose and destiny assigned to them, not all to be pastors, some to be doctors and nurses, some to be mothers and fathers, some to be lawyers and politicians, some to be uh, leadership coaches and uh, business owners. But um, I'm, I'm excited to be that because I, I had the gift of those type of people in my life. You know, that village really raised me. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You, you knew the king was inside of you and those people were planting seeds into you at a, an early age that stayed with you. So maybe even sometimes maybe you strayed or got off course, those seeds had already been planted mm -hmm. and you had that to carry with you. And that's an effect what you're doing now with these kids. You're planting seeds inside of them and to, to let them know that, that they're, you know, destined for greatness and they can do great things. And I think that's amazing. So tell us a little bit about how you um, transition. So from that 14, 15 years old, when that seed was planted up until, you know, your rise into becoming a pastor and um, growing into ministry. Yes, I got to uh, 18, knew that I needed to get ready to leave home and do something, was not quite sure of that. Uh, but I got an opportunity to preach for seven last last word service, which those who are in the kind of uh, uh, historic Black Baptist tradi uh, tradition know that experience uh, on hold uh, during uh, Good Friday. Uh, there's a service normally in Baptist churches that commemorate uh, the seven last words of Christ on the cross. And I got to speak at one of those services, Stacey, and it was like, there it is. I know this is my calling. Um, I remember wrestling, like, you know, asking my pastor, what if I want to become a businessman? Because, you know, I had a lot of encouragement about a sense of uh, about my calling from my church, but I didn't want to just do it because other people told me I wanted to do it because you know, that was really was in my heart. And I wasn't sure at that point, but the moment I got to preach, it was like, this is it. This is what God's made me to do. And um, I left, uh, I left home, left my home church, left my family, uh, traveled to Tulsa, Oklahoma, at Oral Roberts University. And I just knew I was there to study, to prepare for ministry. And it was there when I got there, I think the very first day I went to an orientation I learned about the academic study of theology. And so I became a New Testament major and learned um, the history of the scriptures, the history of uh, Judaism and, you know, biblical languages. And so just had the, a great opportunity there to learn and to just experience some, some training for ministry. I met my wife, Denise, there. We came home after uh, college. I, she came with me to uh, to Pittsburgh, and we were married. And we served for some years in my in my home church as youth pastors. And then eventually, uh, we we left home the home church and joined the Rodman Street Missionary Baptist Church under uh, the pastor of uh, Pastor Delano Roosevelt Page, um, who is uh, my father in the ministry. And I was there for um, some years until Pastor Page's retirement. 
and he sent me to uh, uh, to learn and grow and be licensed and ordained under the uh, uh, tutelage of Reverend Barbara Gunn, Dr. Barbara Gunn. She just recently finished her doctorate. And, um, and it was there that I was licensed, ordained, and just nurtured for ministry. And uh, Pastor Gunn is my mother in the ministry. And they, in every sense of the word, were a father and a mother to my wife and I and just groomed us for pastoral ministry. And uh, from Mount Carmel under Pastor Gunn, I went and became the pastor for uh, nine years of Mount Olive Baptist Church in Rankin. And there was able to serve as pastor uh, with the saints there who I love and appreciate. And just um, thank God for that experience and that time where, um, again, under my pastors and under the direction, I really learned the shepherd's heart Mount Olive gave me the opportunity to kind of uh, hone my skills and really grow into the position. And so um, just was a great time of, of starting my family, uh, being a young pastor. And now just I'm in a position where um, even as I serve at Imani, um, I feel God has called me to start a fresh new ministry where I can um, engage people with the gospel even as I prepare to see what God has next for myself and my family in the future. And so love preaching ministry, love teaching ministry, love engaging the community uh, with the faith. And uh, so really honored to be able to spend my life doing that. Yes. Even though I knew most of that story, it was really interesting to, to hear you with the progression of how all of that came. And it just really, um, I think kind of confirms that you're where you are supposed to be and how everything in your life kind of just built up to where you are now and the impact that you're having on other people's lives and mm. their children's lives and things like that. And um, mm. my husband and I kind of came into the story where you, um, mm -hmm. where you entered Rodman right. and um, that's, we met you Rodman is our home church and um we met you there and we've been with you along this journey when you were first ordained and when you first became a pastor and your transition into Amani and we're there for all of the births of your children who are our godchildren and we love them dearly. Yes, best godparents um, ever. Watching you, <laughs> watching you guys just grow and um, I would You've been through so much, honestly. I mean, it may seem like a, a small time compared to, you know, the, the scale of your entire life, but you packed a lot of life into those um, years mm. of your <laughs> of pastoring and you gave birth to three beautiful boys and have a marriage and all of the um, wonderful work you've done and being in seminary and, mm -hmm. um, a whole nother career uh, with the school and everything you you've packed a lot of life into a few very few years mm. um so I'm, I'm excited to see what's next and, and what you're gonna do we've been um front row examples of how god has just continued to work in your lives and just seeing things that just don't even make sense you know to the unbeliever and um <laughs> and things that that could only be God mm -hmm. um, has happened in your life. And yeah. you guys have been a wonderful example for that and just demonstration to us. So I am grateful for your friendship and, and brotherhood and sisterhood and the relationship um, that we have with you all. Mm. 
Um, so what, what would you say um, was maybe one of your biggest life lessons? Was there anything that stood out to you that maybe taught you a lesson? Um, it could be in life or business or ministry or just anything that you felt was maybe um, a biggest lesson to you in your life thus far? I think the biggest lesson that I have learned and am still learning, Stacy, is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not mm. to your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Uh, one of the things I hate the most is feeling stagnant or stuck. Mm -hmm. um, but I've had mentors who have always had to remind me that um, you're never stuck when you're in the Lord. Um, even when things look like they're standing still, God's behind the scenes working and moving and uh, getting you ready for the next season of what he's called you to do. And often, you know, in those times where, you know, life feels hard or you don't see all the, the progress that you might want to see, um, what I've learned is that um, even during those times, it's important to trust in God and lean into God so um, that you are ready for what he has for you next because he's never got us at a standstill. But in my life and in my experience, it is in those times I'm <laughs> tempted to, uh, you know, try to make something happen uh, without God. And so that's when I normally get jacked up and get depressed and get discouraged and want to give up. Uh, and, and God will allow me some those times to, to wear myself out so that I know my hope and my trust is in him. Um, and that his and, and also to, to to surprise me and show me that his plans are always far more than I could have ever imagined. And so um, I'll just start moving stuff around to try to make something happen. You know, I'll just start moving the furniture around the house, <laughs> just doing things that that just just to feel like I'm doing something. But uh, then God, uh, you know, after I get worn out, God's like, sit down, let me do what I'm doing. And then, oh, look at what I look at what I've done for you. Look what I prepared you for. Look what I provided for you. And um, so, so just in the tough times, really learning to continue to trust God, even when it doesn't look like, you know, God's purposes are happening, even when it feels like somebody stabbed you in the back, even when it feels like, oh man, I'm out here and nobody sees what I'm doing. Trust God. His plans are always better. And he's always got something bigger going on that you can see. Mm, absolutely. You and I have always been similar in that um, sense that mm -hmm. <laughs> We mm -hmm. always want to make things happen <laughs> and aren't satisfied when things are stagnant. And right. <laughs> we've had conversations about this before. I'm the same way. It's hard to be still, especially when you um, are a visionary and you mm. have so many things that you just want to see and you know it and you know it's going to come to fruition, but it doesn't feel like it's happening and you feel like you need to step in and make it happen. And, you know, somewhere along the way that just all falls apart and you just go back to, like you said, trusting in the Lord with all your heart and <laughs> following his direction mm -hmm. and, and not giving to, to your ways. And it's always a, a lesson that always seems to come mm -hmm. back um, strong and gives you a strong reminder. Like, look, God, I, God's telling you, look, I've got this. Like, I don't need you to to tell me what to do or to, to get ahead of me. I've got this. Be still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've got this. Yeah. Even yeah. in leadership, I think uh, that's important. You know, like man makes his plans, but God orders our steps. And so the point is, is not mm -hmm. to do necessarily what we want with our lives, but to know what God wants from our lives. And that's where that's where the blessing is. That's where the power is. Absolutely. I'm actually writing that down. Sorry for my pause. <laughs> 
man makes what you say man makes a man man makes our plans but god orders yes. our steps awesome all right well since you um touched on leadership i feel like being a pastor is probably one of the the biggest roles of leadership um that you can be in um because you're a shepherd you have to serve um you have so many different personalities and wants and needs and people coming from all different walks of life and backgrounds and um it's such a broad scope of leadership because most people in you know like in my my uh area of leadership you know everyone's kind of doing the same job we all have the same agenda Mm -hmm. um so it's a little different you know in business leadership Mm -hmm. versus pastoral leadership Mm -hmm. um so what do you feel um maybe was one of the greatest challenges and maybe one of the greatest rewards of leadership in um, your ministry thus far Mm. one of the greatest challenges in pastoral ministry is getting the people of God to believe the great things that God wants to do in them personally and collectively. Mm -hmm. And pastors are called to write the vision and make it plain, but also love the people and walk with the people uh, through all the ups and downs until they believe God's word above every other word. And so Dr. Cleophas LaRue, preaching professor at Princeton Theological Seminary said, it's the job of the pastor to take the people's lives more seriously than they take themselves. And that can be a challenge when as a pastor, you feel you see, you know, purpose, you see impact that is possible, but it takes time for the, to get the people as they're working through their family struggles, their own post personal uh, struggles uh, within self against sin, um, maybe against low self-esteem, maybe a struggle to define themselves past the social and cultural uh, definitions that seem to, to, to limit them and confine them. And so a pastor has to kind of continue to believe that vision that God's shown, even while they, they, they love the people into being able to walk in that purpose. And that takes time. And so I think one of the, that, that's one of the struggles to be patient. Again, I'm not, <laughs> patient is not a virtue that I'm, I'm the best at. <laughs> and so I think <laughs> learning to be patient as a pastor does not mean, right, um, does not mean that purpose has been uh, delayed or, or denied, but it is that God has uh, people at all different places. And so we've got to, we've got to, we've got to wait till God gets them where they are. And so, um, so you're right. Hope deferred can make the heart sick, but you're right. Doesn't mean that God's done working. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And did you ask me what was one of the. What was um, um, one of the biggest rewards maybe of leadership um, being able to lead mm-hmm. the different types of people in um, your ministry? Yeah, for me, I think it is. Um, one, seeing people come to faith in the gospel and seeing uh, somebody walking in darkness, seeing the light come on for them. That's that is a blessing that that always encourages my own personal faith and encourages me to to persevere in the work that God's called me to. But I think also seeing 
the people seeing vision fulfilled uh at mount olive we were able to uh god had given me vision for uh the the worship center to be you know up to date and ready to minister to the present age to really make it a home for or a second space for people um in our community to feel comfortable in and so to see us be able to kind of uh restore um the whole building and to see minute in though that renewed building become a place where ministry was happening and people's lives were being touched you know um probably the biggest one of the most exciting examples was to see our kind of uh teaching wing renovated and space to be made and rooms to be renovated with murals on the wall for children and then to see each week children's ministry taking place or uh during holidays events where there's the kids running around happy and when i first come that wasn't going on and to see that happening uh before my time was to depart that 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 those seasons of vision fulfillment are really rewarding and and you know just humble that god would use me uh in that capacity but that he would allow the people to come together to accomplish those different visions Awesome. What do you think are some of the greatest um, characteristics that make up a great leader and past or present? If you could be under the direct leadership of anyone, who would it be mm. and why? So what great qualities make up a leader and then name one person past or present that you would love to be under their direct mm -hmm. leadership? Uh, the qualities that make up a great leader for me Um Number one, faith. If you're not a person of faith and hope, then it's really hard to believe in, you know, a greater reality than what we presently are, are handed, the cards were dealt. And so for me, faith in God is, is key uh, because it's a faith also not only in what we are able to do, but the, the, uh, the the what the scripture says is the, the, also faith in what God can do right exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think so that you know God's willing to do and wants to do and is is able to do far more than we could ever imagine so that comes through faith in Him though and so I think faith is key ha having a vision comes through faith um, another one is integrity uh, to be a leader that people can trust to be someone who is not simply self centered but who loves people and is uh, mindful of uh, pursuing truth and mindful of living truth so that um, so that people can really trust God, but also trust the one God is using. Um, and, um, you know, I think that is, is important in the uh, public and the, you know, in the sacred spaces, I think in, 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 the, in, in business, people want to, feel that they're following someone who who is integrity and is going to do what's right by them and by and by others um so faith integrity excellence you know doing your best um providing the a, a quality product or a, pro, a quality service uh, that'll be my next one service service is greatness in the kingdom of god and so what you do for others um is and, and how how what you do is, is a blessing to others I think that's key. And then uh, grace to know that we're all on a journey. And just because somebody's not there today does not mean they're not going to be profitable tomorrow. And so those are the those are 
faith, integrity, excellence, service, and grace. Those are the key things I, I want to embody as, as a leader. I think one more I would put is courage. The courage that, that goes along with faith. Um, you can often have a vision, but you got to have the courage to act on it. And so I also want to follow a courageous leader. I could name a lot of people who I think are interesting leaders um, <laughs> and that I, I would like to be around just to pick their brain. Um, you know, in the African American religious experience and tradition, I mean, I could, I'm interested in Martin King. I'm interested in a man named Samuel DeWitt Proctor. I'm interested in uh, someone who's not in the Christian tradition, but did a lot in service to African American people, Elijah Muhammad. I think I'm interested in, in him. But I think I was, I was thinking about this question, and I think as a pastor, it, the, the person, if I, if I could stand face to face and follow them, you know, follow them, it would be Jesus, right? I think, I think I know that is like the Sunday school answer, but it's, I'm sticking to it, uh, right? He took 12 broken men and taught them to, taught them the truth and taught them to fear nothing but God and to put, put their full faith in God and not in themselves, not in, not in other men. And they turn the world upside down. We still speak his name. So I think Jesus is the master leader. I love that answer. I, and it's funny because it is kind of a church answer, but I wasn't expecting mm -hmm. that one. Um, that was good. And I, I agree. That's definitely someone you want to learn from. He's got all the answers. So. All right. Well, this has been great. So I want to kind of shift. This isn't really about leadership, but everything that you've kind of talked about makes me go back. My um, my grandfather, my father's father um, was a pastor. And my father has always told me over the years that, you know, there's such a magnifying glass on people in ministry and um, children of <laughs> pastors and people in ministry and that everything they do is such under a microscope and magnifying glass. Um, how do you deal with that? You know, because you, you said in a leadership, you want someone to show you grace as we're all human. We all make mistakes. Um, you're married. Anybody that's married has had challenges in marriage and had to overcome things. Um, you're raising three sons. I'm sure you've had moments that you weren't at your best in doing that. How do you overcome being such a public figure and someone that's in ministry where people oftentimes expect you to be perfect, to be flawless, to have all the answers, to never do anything wrong. How do you overcome being human, but still being um, in that spotlight and, and being in a position where you're serving as an example to others? How do you handle mm. that? I feel like I've handled it by admitting that I am imperfect, that I'm flawed, I am not the savior. Um, and and asking for grace, asking for forgiveness when I've made mistakes. Um, there was times as the pastor at Mount Olive where I had to call the whole board into my office uh, and just ask them to forgive me for things I had said, um, you know, lack of patience that I displayed or gentleness. Uh, my wife, I've had to ask her and she's been so gracious with me um, and even my boys. Uh, I've had to say, you know, daddy was wrong. And so um, I know, I know I need a savior. And so I know I'm going to need grace and I know that I'm imperfect and I'm, I'm working that out day to day as his, his spirits gives me ability. 
but um i think that the, the christian gospel um th there's 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 a lie that sometimes takes hold in the church that like pastors are these like perfect people but it's so opposite the christian gospel which says hey we need the grace of god to be forgiven of our sins and it'll only be by the grace of God and the power of his Holy Spirit that he helps us to overcome sin as we follow Jesus. And so it, immediately the gospel is a gospel of liberation and freedom from shame. And it gives us the freedom to confess when we fall short in sin and to then get back up and try to and, 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 and do our best to, to, to walk away from that. And, um, you know, that's repentance. Um, and so that's how I've tried to just kind of say, Hey, when, when I need to apologize, when I fall short, I need to admit that, that, that sometimes in, in the church and where people are wanting pastors to uh, live the righteousness that they're unwilling to live or, or that, that at times can backfire. People at times get used to pastors seeming, be, trying to seem like these holier than thou people. Um, and so, you know, when you have kind of that openness, even uh, <laughs> Pastor Page would have said, uh, uh, said uh, confession's good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. You know, some, some people <laughs> will look down on you for being so open about your weakness. Uh, and I think there is a the balance, right? There, there's, um, there, there are people to share your sh uh, shortcomings with, and there, there are times to apologize to, to the people you're leading. Uh, but you want to, you want to know, you know, use some tact and in deciding what are those things you share? What are those things, who do you share them with? But I think being willing to ask forgiveness and being willing to admit wrong, I think goes a long way uh, in the whole scope of one's leadership of a group of people to say, hey, this is this goes back to integrity. He's gonna, I trust him, even if I if, even if I don't even know where he's going right now, because I know he, he generally tries to lead us the right way. And when he goes wrong, he'll, he'll say, I apologize and let's reposition, let's pivot. Uh, the, the other piece on that was, and saying, you know, knowing what things to confess and to whom to confess them, having a trusted, uh, one of my mentors says, everybody needs their own private uh, presidential cabinet <laughs> and have those people that they can uh, share their their heart with, share their shortcomings with, uh, get honest um, advice, right? Faithful are the arrows of a friend and, you know, and get that help to kind of, to, to regroup. So your husband, is one of those people that I share my heart, my life with. And he he has the place to say, no, I think you are thinking wrong there, or I think you should try this. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you were right there. And having those people who keep you grounded, keep you sober and help you to, uh, you know, make sure that you don't get like some Messiah complex, um, that that's really helpful as well. Absolutely. Well, well, I have enjoyed our conversation. I mean, we do talk pretty often, um, but I, I feel like I learned mm. some things today. So I appreciate you being on with me. And if we can close out with maybe you just telling us about um, your newest ministry, the William Baker Ministries, and uh, what you kind of see as the vision for that and um, where you would like to see that at. Yes, I'm really excited. Thank you for asking me about that, Stacey. Uh, William Baker Ministries is a new ministry that I've 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 started uh, along with my wife Denise, and it's a platform for us to engage Christ followers and everyday people to understand, pursue, and enjoy a holistic relationship with God through the through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right to enjoy life holistically with God, 
that will lead you to start a business, to start a family, to raise a family, to to love your neighbor, um, and to and to address the 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 real issues of of, of everyday life. And so uh, that is something that is very exciting that I'm very excited about and is dear to my heart. Um, I will be beginning on the uh, final Sunday of November, uh, right after uh, Thanksgiving to uh, share a weekly worship service online on our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I'll begin to put out uh, uh, information on all the social media platforms. And you can uh, people can go to our website, williambakerministries.org, and find blogs and find events that we're going to be doing. Really excited about the events because it also is a platform to kind of just uh, share the gospel through service. Again, service is greatness in the kingdom of God. And so as we're in this pandemic, really still going to be looking for opportunities to serve the community, speak out on issues of justice, um, and to engage people on issues of family, uh, justice, theology. It's just going to be a place where I can uh, share more um, of the gospel in the public domain. And so we're, we're excited about that and looking for God to use it mightily in the days to come. Love it. Well, I literally felt you move to the edge of your seat and your voice went up <laughs> an octave higher when you started talking about that. You are excited about this. This is your passion. I can feel this all in your yes. voice and in your spirit. And I know this this is going to be awesome. I think that everything that you have gone through up until this time has led you to this mm. right now. So I can't wait to see what you do with it. Um William is an awesome uh, pastor and just man of God and his messages are straight from the heart. Um, so I know that people will be blessed in this ministry. So thank you for being with me, my <laughs> dear friend, my brother. I love you. I thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Um, just let people know how they can find you um, and, and find your ministry. And uh, we'll post all the links um, with the broadcast as well, but just let them know how they can definitely find you. you can find me again at williambakerministries.org. Um, you can also uh, find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Twitter, uh, W Baker Ministries. And, um, and we will be, uh, we'll be putting out information again, as I said, weekly on uh, Facebook live. Um, we're going to start the service on our, our YouTube page. And then all those things will be streaming as well. And, um, Again, uh, the main the main place to go, though, to find all those platforms, you can connect with all those platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, streaming, uh, our streaming video. You can all find all that at William Baker Ministries. Our blog will be there and opportunities for people to partner with us uh, on our events page uh, because people will be able to kind of partner with us as we do different events to serve the community. Love it. All right. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick, but I want you to just leave us with an encouraging word to just help people. This has been a rough year for a lot of people. We're getting ready to head into holiday seasons. We've got elections coming up. Um, just a lot of uncertainty um, and which can cause a lot of anxiety in people and fear of the unknown. People are losing loved ones. So why don't you just close us out on a note and a word for maybe those people that are just unsure and have mm. some unrest right now? Leaders, I want to say to you that God never fails. As I talked with a friend the other day, we were talking about the, the, the book of Revelation. And Jesus is seated 
at the right hand of God on the throne, and he's ruling over all the powers of the world. And that is that nothing that goes on in our world goes on outside of God's knowledge. And nothing that goes on in this world goes on outside of God's power. He is able to deliver us personally, uh, communally, nationally, and globally. And as we go through this pandemic, though there's been some really tough realities, as this is a turbulent uh, political season and cultural, it has, has uprooted and uh, uncovered a lot of cultural tension. Um, put your faith in Christ and allow your actions to be directed by him and not dictated to by, by men and by other systems. And uh, he, will, he, will, he will give you peace. Uh, the scripture says, um, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. And I think that's one of the biggest things, Stacey, that people need to know. God cares. And if he cares, that means he's willing to act and he will act uh, no matter what we've gone through. And so cast your care on him and his peace will guard your heart and mind. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I'm learning now more than ever is that I need to stop trying to figure everything out and I need to put my trust in God and then do what he asked me to do. And he will figure it all out. I'm just called to be obedient and faithful. And so trust him and know that he cares for you. Love it. See, this is why you need to follow his ministry. I totally put him on the spot and he just gave y'all a whole sermonette <laughs> off the dome. So <laughs> thank you again, Will. I love you. Thank you so much for being I love with you, me Stacey. today. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. This is an awesome experience. And I'm just can't, I'm following you and to uh, to learn as a leader and grow as a leader. And so thank you for allowing me to share with those who God is using you to bless. Oh, thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Live, Lead, Succeed podcast. Please remember to like and share and invite all of your friends to listen in. You can always follow us at liveleadsucceed.com and feel free to join our Facebook group, also Live, Lead, Succeed. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Live, Lead, Succeed podcast. We hope that you were inspired and encouraged to reach just a little bit higher today. Remember, you've got this and we're rooting for you.